Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, please check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site and take a look at the animal stickers and postcards we have for sale. This week, we're going to be talking about the sea pig. So this one, our Twitter poll, which makes sense because it's fun and like got a really weird name. So if you don't know what that is, you might have been like, I want to know what on earth that is. So yeah, keep your eye out for polls like that because we'll probably put out more in the future. I like it because it's like sea pig, sea cow, as in manatee. Like you could make a whole sea farm. I used to have a children's book that was like a sea farm. It was so cute, but it was just like actual like mermaid versions of farm animals. But it it was a very good book. I enjoyed it greatly. I love that. Okay, well, if you bring a sea pig to Blathers, he'll say, Never have I seen a creature that walks the line between creepy and cute quite like the sea pig does. Sea pigs are, in fact, a type of sea cucumber that lives deep down on the ocean floor, About four inches long, these soft, pinkish oddities use tube-like legs and feelers to get around. Thus, they sniffle through the mud, slurping up particles from decaying carcasses. Meanwhile, predators be warned, this little piggy tastes like poison. Man, Blathers really hits the nail on the head there. Yeah, I think this goes in my, my top three favorite Blathers descriptions. It's got, like, kind of that eerie, like like a nursery rhyme creepiness to it. Yeah, exactly. It's very alliterative too. You go, Blathers. (laughs) Speaking of the name though, I think the name Sea Pig is like such a good creative abstraction of what these things look like. Like they sort of, yeah, have that pig-like round elongated shape and they're pink, so that helps too. But they're also so bizarre looking, like they look like a piece of surrealist art that's like trying to represent a vacuum cleaner or something. Like they're just weird looking and they've got like that sort of suctiony part at the bottom with the tentacles. So if you don't know what they look like, like imagine like a three to eight inch long pink balloon and it has a bunch of like tentacle-like legs just poking out of every which way. I guess the other similarity to pigs is that it looks like their heads, if you can call it a head, <laughs> points down to the ground. So yeah, it's mm. it's a it's a good name for them, I think, even though it's so weird. You could probably find a thousand good names for this animal. It kind of makes me think of like, you know, those toys that you used to be able to buy. I mean, you probably still can, but they're like filled rectangles that are filled with like jelly liquid and then like you can squeeze it around they were like tubes yeah Yeah. what even are those called like jelly tubes (laughs) i don't know yeah and they would have they definitely look like a toy though yeah sparkles or like little glitter in it yes absolutely yeah imagine that but like they'll have five to seven pairs of legs that kind of prop them up and what's crazy too is like they kind of are like a living balloon they're controlled hydraulically so they can basically be like deflated or inflated as they need by pumping water in and out of their bodies so like if they need to like have more tension in one leg over the other you know but yeah they're so weird they also have these two sort of antenna like 
structures on top of their head, but those aren't antennae. They are also more feet <laughs> and they act more as sensory organs. So that helps them to sort of smell and detect where their next meal will be. But overall, the sea pig is a really soft and kind of delicate body. So the specimens that have been collected tend to look like quite rough. They're not in good shape. And apparently trawlers in the deep sea can pretty much just like rip them apart. They're just like balloons. They're pieces of plastic almost. Oh no. Um, yeah, really crazy things. That's sad. So what are they actually? They're sea cucumbers, like Blather said? Yeah, so they are sea cucumbers. So that's part of a group called the echinoderms. And this includes starfish, sand dollars, and sea urchins. And I went down like a bit of a rabbit hole with the echinoderms because I misread it as echinoderm, which made me think of those like spiky Australian mammals that kind of look like anteaters. But I looked it up and apparently in Greek, echino, spelled E-C-H-I-N-O, means hedgehog. So echinoderm means hedgehog skin, which I think is really cute. So I just want people to know that. <laughs> so it's like sea hedgehogs. Yeah. Cute. So another name for them, <laughs> which is still like sea pig because the word hog is in their name. Right. Yeah. Just a lot of good etymology here. I'm enjoying it. But going back to the sea pigs. So there's about four species of sea pig that we know of. And while not a ton is known about them, like we don't know how old they can get or really how they mate, they do seem to be really abundant on the seafloor. So these are pretty common animals, especially considering like how much seafloor is in the world. But I mean, we never see that. So, but they are really common. Oh, so they, so they go around on the seafloor. I imagine them as like floating wistfully through the ocean. <laughs> Just like kind of blopping around. Yeah. No, yeah, they walk around and they can be found in waters as deep as 6,000 meters under this, the ocean surface in all of the world's oceans, including Antarctica. So, and I should mention like at least as deep as 6,000 meters, like they can probably found, be found deeper and they can be found in shallower waters as well. But generally they are deep sea organisms. They live in the abyssal zone, and that is the zone of the ocean that's like completely dark and barren. It's the deepest part of the ocean, and so it's a really cool and scary place. And most of the organisms there only eat what's called marine snow. And might have heard that term before. It's like the crumbs of all the stuff that's died or like kind of been washed into the water column and is floating down to the bottom of the ocean. And that's what the sea pig eats as well. So it'll root around in the ocean floor with its tentacle legs and eat the fresh marine snow that's settled on the ground. And it's all kind of gooey and muddy there. But yeah, it'll sift through all that. Do you know what marine snow reminds me of or like what I always think of when I think of marine snow? <laughs> it's like, you know, in Stranger Things when they're in the upside down and there's like... Oh my God. Yeah, there's like weird... It's like almost like, is it ashes? Yes. Is it snow? Is it like... I don't even know, like the world disintegrating or whatever. That's what I think. I, of. I always thought of it as like ashes, but yes, that's also the same energy of it. It's like the slowly floating particles. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Okay, I like that. I'm going to think of that now from <laughs> now on. Yeah, so on occasion, not only is there marine snow, but something really big like a whale carcass might fall to the seafloor. And it's instances like these where the echinoderms have a bit of a field day eating all of that material. 
One thing I read mentioned how when a lot of sea pigs congregate to a spot where there's lots of food, like at a carcass, they tend to all like face the same direction, which I think is so spooky, but apparently it's because they will face in the direction of the current so they can capture extra marine snow as it flows by them. So it's more of a feeding technique. But can you just imagine like you encounter a dead whale and surrounding it are a bunch of like pink balloons all in the same direction with their like tentacles in the air? I just, that image really haunts me. (laughs) Olivia knows I'm like into like weird haunting ocean images a lot right now, especially if they involve decaying whales. And I don't know, just like as a writer, I'm very interested in these images right now. So I'm going to be thinking a lot about marine snow and like weird little (laughs) sea pigs all congregated together. Yeah, it's like having an audience of sea cucumbers (laughs) like it seems like they're all waiting for something how many of them will congregate together they were saying like hundreds and hundreds will like they they aren't necessarily social creatures as far as they can tell but they will come together when there's like a lot of resources for them to eat and do they have any predators are they like a yummy snack or Now, as far as we can tell, it doesn't seem so. Like Blather said, their skin is toxic. So that's a deterrent to most predators. They're just like this toxic deep sea balloon animal. Like, so nothing really eats them. But they are a host for a lot of parasites, apparently. Like, I can see how that would be the case because they don't really seem like they have many defenses other than like where they live and the toxic skin. But If you're a parasite, I don't imagine you care much about that. So some of these parasites are like tiny orange snails that will embed themselves into the balloonery outside of the sea pig. They kind of look like sea cucumber belly button piercings (laughs) because they're kind of pretty, but like they're embedded into the skin, which is, you know, not great. It's not a phase, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a goth sea pig cucumber. (laughs) They also seem to have, like, these little baby king crabs that seem to, like, to catch a ride on them. So when the researchers noticed this and started counting, they noticed that of the 600 crabs they found, 96% of them were spotted, like, riding or hiding under sea pigs. Wow. So these are very, very small crabs then. Yeah, just like little baby crabs. And why do they hitch a ride? Probably because on the seafloor, there's not a lot of other places to hide, so... It's like a good rock to hide under, essentially. That's what they think anyway. It's kind of weird, but it's cute. I'm sh- like, I read some stuff and they were like, oh, we don't think the sea cucumbers care that much <laughs> or they can't really do anything about it. But So the crabs hide like under the sea cucumber? Yeah, or they'll like ride on them and just hang out around them, essentially. Just <laughs> use them as sort of like, I don't know, like a house until they get big enough to leave. <laughs> that seems cute. to be what was... Yeah. And do we know anything about how they're doing conservation-wise? It's really hard to study the bottom of the ocean, so it doesn't have a conservation status. It doesn't seem like a ton is known about them. But I did find some really interesting marine management-related research, and this research came out of the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. And it's not directly related to the sea pig, but I think it ties nicely into sort of the deep-sea abyssal zone kind of stuff. So the abyssal zone where that sea pig lives, makes up around 50% of the Earth's surface. So it's a huge part of the planet. And 
I mean, I rarely think about it, but yeah. And it's really important for the carbon cycle. So just a quick recap on the carbon cycle for anyone who isn't familiar. Carbon travels through the planet. Kind of think of how a water cycle shows you all the places water can be that isn't like the atmosphere. It's the same with carbon. It can be in the air as carbon dioxide. Then it can go into a plant. It can be used up in an organism. That organism can die and its body turns to soil. So that carbon can end up somewhere that's not the air, which is nice when we want less carbon dioxide in the air warming the planet. So when we're talking about the carbon cycle, usually we're talking about carbon sequestration, which is what we talked about with the dung beetle episode last week, which is when you take some carbon and basically put it in the ground or someplace where it's not being a greenhouse gas. And one of the really important things about it is like, You might hear the term carbon sinks. So forests are often considered a carbon sink because a lot of that carbon is stored in the ground. Permafrost is a carbon sink, so permanently frozen ground in like the Arctic. And of course, the ocean is a massive carbon sink. So all of that stuff in the ocean floor. And so that's one of the big concerns with climate change is that as things warm up, like the permafrost, it basically creates like the the ground will melt and a lot of carbon gets released into the air. So that's part of this concern with with climate change anyway I don't want to talk about that because I was like I guess we didn't really go over that in the last episode and I don't know if, if that's like something that's commonly known or not anyway going back to the deep sea so all of that marine snow we were talking about it, it's filled with carbon so as it falls to the bottom of the ocean it creates these layers upon layers of carbon rich sediment when events happen that cause algae blooms you can see a lot more marine snow falling. So in Southern California, an event like that might be an increase in winds, which can bring nitrate into the oceans and that'll cause those blooms. So the algae itself might become marine snow or it might feed other organisms, which in turn die and their nutrients drop to the deep sea. So these blooms can provide as many nutrients to the deep sea critters as they might normally get in a decade or every few years. So it's a it's a really big boom of nutrients for them. Now, this research can't really tell us whether it's necessarily a good or a bad thing that this happens. Probably it's like a combination of both, but it might indicate that weather changes that occur as a result of climate change could be altering how much nutrients are going to the bottom of the ocean. So maybe the sig- the sea pigs really like extra marine snow, but maybe other species don't. So sea pigs and other organisms that live in the abyssal zone appear to have really dramatic population increases and declines depending on how much food is available to them. Entire ecosystem communities can also change depending on this. So, for instance, that study that was done off the coast of Southern California, they found that prior to 2011, there were a lot of sea sponges and sea feathers, so these filter-feeding organisms that lived in their study area. But when there's this huge boom in the amount of marine snow falling, they think those organisms were almost like smothered by it because soon after the area was dominated by sea cucumbers and other free-moving creatures. So you can kind of see how there's these differences, these changes in the underwater system, which might seem very stable because there's not a lot there. But yeah, they, they can have really fast turnover or turnover over many years as well. The study makes a point of saying that they saw these kinds of dramatic changes 
often throughout the 30-year study period. So this wasn't just necessarily an unusual event. But they do say that it goes to show that there's a lot of unknowns in how climate change might affect deep sea creatures, or even how deep sea creatures and ecosystems might be involved in the carbon cycle process themselves, because they're also interacting with all that carbon. They're part of that, that process. So a lot more research needs to be done in the areas where the sea pigs are like scuttling around. But I just wanted to talk about that because I thought it was really interesting. And it's maybe not something that we think about a lot uh, as we don't live anywhere near the seafloor. Yeah, I never thought of algae blooms as being connected to carbon sequestration because I, I feel like I always hear about algae blooms in a negative light. I think especially because, you know, I feel like as humans, a lot of times we hear about algae blooms in relation to like seafood and like not, you know, oh, you shouldn't eat shellfish right now because of these algae blooms and stuff like that. I don't really mm -hmm. know like what the actual reason behind that is. But yeah, that's yeah, that's really interesting, especially knowing that maybe as these climate change related weather events increase, we might see an increase in algae blooms and thus an increase in carbon sequestration in this particular area. I don't know. That's obviously like speculation, but that's there's a lot of stretches, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and it was that was the interesting part about reading this research is they weren't trying to like make any really bold statements. They were just like, hmm, we observed this thing and we don't know a lot about the seafloor, but I guess this might be something that's happening, which I just kind of like that kind of research, too, because it leaves opportunity for like more research to come in and and kind of clarify what's happening. And it also accepts that change is like also a really normal part of ecosystems and should be expected. So I, I, I appreciate that as well about that research. But yeah, it, it just sort of like is more of an observer rather than trying to be like, this is bad or this is good. It's just like, OK, I guess this this might be a, a thing we should just be aware of and do more research on. They also mentioned that it goes to show like, you know, historically, we really thought of these abyssal planes as being very stable. And as more research is coming out, it's showing that they're highly dynamic systems. And, you know, there's a lot of deep sea drilling. So maybe more research can kind of go to show that maybe that deep sea drilling is probably having a very significant effect on those ecosystems. And we don't necessarily know what those effects are. So yeah, so if there's anyone out there who wants to do some deep sea research, boy, are there a lot of a lot of things to discover down there. Yeah, it seems every time we do a deep sea creature, we're kind of left with the feeling like there's so much that we don't know. And like a lot of these organisms are like the coolest and most fascinating and you want to know about them, but they're like the least known. It's ironic. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So anyway, that was a kind of a quicker episode. Uh, given the unknowns but yeah but it was definitely cool and thank you so much for telling us all about them and thanks everyone for listening please leave us a rating and review below it would honestly make our days and also don't forget to subscribe and don't miss an episode absolutely and of course check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site tune in next week to learn more about the insects fish and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!